In 2018, the Pennsylvania Attorney General's Office released a 1,000-page report detailing decades of sexual assault and cover-ups committed by Roman Catholic clergy. Like the reports and investigations that preceded it, it's fading from memory. Swears and Prayers is a conversation with Catholics about their relationship with the Church and their struggles with faith in the face of this ongoing and unresolved crisis. These are everyday people and their real stories. Debbie converted to Catholicism in the medical school. She's in her 50s and lives and works in Charlottesville. Um, so I grew up first in the Presbyterian Church. and Where in Pennsylvania or just where your people live? Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, it's the West. So I grew up, I mean, I was baptized when I was a little kid, and I remember going to the Presbyterian Church with my grandparents and my parents. And then we moved to Florida when I was in middle school, and the Methodist Church was super involved with youth groups and so we we became Methodists. Okay. All right. Um we uh they had a great youth group and I was in the choir there. So it was kind of a big part of my life. Um and then I went to college and sort of faith life was not not happening. I don't remember really having a a community at all um that I participated in. And where did you go to school? Mobile, it was University of South Alabama in Mobile. And so I didn't, yeah, I wasn't really involved um, with church. And I don't remember much of a faith life then. And then when I, I was went to medical school at the same place in University of South Alabama in Mobile, and I got to be really good friends with this fellow, a, a Polish guy from New Jersey. Jersey? Named Bruchowski. Oh, nice. And... <laughs> He had just graduated from Spring Hill College, a Jesuit college mm -hmm. in Mobile. And so I started hanging out with him, and I just, his faith was so alive. Like, it informed what he did, how he treated people, what his 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 goals in life were. And I started going to, to Mass on, like, Sunday evening, kind of the college they, Mass. Were you guys dating, or was he just We did. Okay. We did okay. eventually. We were kind of Something to go to Mass with someone is like, oh, I'm just a friend. We went to Mass. Like, <laughs> no, no. We, we, then, we, then, we then were dating. Yeah. And so um, I would go to the Sunday evening Masses and met this wonderful Jesuit priest named Father Rhymes. And he was, he was, gosh, he was as close to kind of a Jesus figure. He's very kind and smart and so I would so I started just kind of hanging out with the priest to ask questions yeah. too about so like after mass or was this like or did you just like would you see him like hey let's meet for coffee yeah I would like, sort of it wasn't necessarily after mass yeah, it was yeah. other times and maybe by that time I was just more interested in the catholic faith yeah so I started reading a lot of books and I I thought to myself this makes such so much more sense than the faith I grew up in like, it just, like there's there's the seven sacraments. There's there's kind of like there's rules in some ways that actually, where I was in life was kind of helpful. Like do you know? Do you remember what books he gave you? Oh, I could probably go find them. No, I'm just I was just curious <laughs> off the top of your head something like it made an impression on you. And well, like, he hey. was pretty into Anthony DeMello. Okay, yeah. And I read that, and then there were some other just kind of general. Maybe Elizabeth Griffin. I think she wrote some books about prayer. Um. And so I would meet with him regularly, and I just thought, this this is a faith that I can really sink my teeth in. Oh, wow. And 
I think it was, it was the social justice aspect of the church, living in this world, being the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So before that, me. like, so was your, like, how was, like, the rest of your life at the time? Like, were you, like, were, like, like involved in serving people in that way? Or were this, was this, like, an awakening for you? Or, um... Well, I think, like, um... You know, some of it might have been just needing to, to find something, a different faith than my family of origin. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we were involved with charity things growing up. We The Vietnamese refugee camps were near where I lived in northwest Florida during the Vietnam War when all the refugees came over. Yeah. My mother and I volunteered there. So it's not that service wasn't something that we did before, but I think just having um, the example of so many organizations and people in the Catholic faith that seem so authentic in how they served. Oh, interesting. So, and what year was this approximately? So, I converted in 85, 1985. Okay. So, the, the social justice thing was very big then. Yes. And, like, a lot of, was Central America, was that, like, in your... Yes, yes. I mean, I think that was when uh, Romero was in the, yes, so reading about liberation theology... Yeah. In Central America, and I was reading about Mother Teresa and Dorothy Day. Mm -hmm. Those were kind of like those are just amazing people, and that they were faithful Catholics, and that it informed their life. Like I wanted to be like them. The other, you know, so my that boyfriend, the Polish Bruchowski fellow, he and I broke up after mm -hmm. med school. But I was so grateful to have this Catholic faith because. It just, I felt like I was so grounded. Just let me ask you, like, was he involved, like, in your conversion at all, or was that, like, after, like, was that... No, I mean, I think he was involved in that he introduced me. Right. And, um, but I remember sort of thinking, I'm not doing this for him. Sure. This is what I want to do, no matter what happens to us. So it was never, like, I'm converting in case we get married or something like that. No, it was... Like, so my... when you were received into the church, was he there? Yes. Okay. And there, like, the Easter vigil, there was a party at his at his apartment. His okay. House. Yeah, that we celebrated. So afterwards. you guys are, like, still part of the same, like, social yes. circle. And, like, it was a... Like, so how much time elapsed between you, like, kind of going to that first Mass to being... To converting? It might have been in a uh, year and a half. Oh my gosh, that's really fast. Or two, maybe two. Yeah, it just felt right. I just remember thinking, this felt right. Like, I can grow and learn about God and have an alive faith in this community. You move to Philadelphia, you go to Old St. Joe's. You're doing, are you doing your residency there? Right, so okay. I was doing a residency there, and Old St. Joe's is all about social justice. Right. So the, the sermons by Father Viscazi, I think was his name. Uh, he was in the Vatican later, but uh, I love. It was a great, it was a great church for me because it was it was preaching social justice, and I was part. I was a part of a ministry there called Care Walk, where we would uh, bring food to the homeless. Right. So it was it was really a profound time, and it also made me question kind of what I was doing with my life. I was at Will's Eye Hospital doing up. You know, studying for ophthalmology, and I, I kind of thought, I think I need to do something kind of more holistic, more um, involved with people's health that's not just fitting glasses. Mm -hmm. And part of it, I think, was being at Old St. Joe's and hearing about the Jesuit martyrs. And I think in 88, the other Jesuits were, were, were I remember having a mass there right. um, at Old St. Joe's when, when that happened. 
And there was all, I mean, there was often extra masses and different things um, in the church calendar. I, and I, because Philly's so Catholic, yeah. I also loved, like, you know, Good Friday was a holiday. Oh, yeah, totally. You know? And so even though this maybe borders on having a theocracy or whatever, <laughs> but I kind of liked that I was Catholic, and this was a Catholic city, and and it was just, you know, everybody was in that same rhythm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, that was really appealing. And, and, you know, and the feeling of belonging, um, I mean, the Catholic, even though I wasn't uh, an ethnic Catholic, but belonging to this this bigger universal church, and being a single woman, too, I also felt like wherever I traveled, I could find a Catholic Mass. Yes. Um, so that, that just helped me feel a part of something bigger than myself uh, to be a part of. In 1990, I came to Charlottesville to start the residency at UVA, and I was really lost because there was no Catholic community here. What was it like then? I mean, now I think it's kind of thin. So, oh. like, was there, what were the parishes? Well, I went to St. Thomas, okay. and that did have more... Out of all the parishes, I mean, Incarnation felt like it had too many families, and I was a single woman, and I, I felt St. Thomas had the college crowd, mm-hmm. so it felt um, maybe a little bit reminding me of old St. Joseph's. I, I, I More think, intellectual. Yes, and Fitzpatrick was there, and they were very much into social justice at that time. So I had lived in Charlottesville since 1990, and like most white people that lived in Charlottesville, I walked by those Lee statues and Jackson statues, didn't really think much about them, go visit Monticello, Jefferson's such a, you know, he was a nice slave owner, and yeah. this, is all, <laughs> this is all okay, and it really wasn't until all that went down that shook our community, um, although, you know what, it goes back a little bit before that, the rise of Donald Trump. Oh, okay. In 2016... Um, and seeing hate crimes and, and racism sort of just so out in our face that I went up to Monticello and went to a summit at the end of in October 2016. It was a slavery summit just to kind of learn more about what really happened at Monticello. So I was starting to kind of become more, um, learning more about racism. And I mean, I read a book called Waking Up White, which was a great entrance into how you can have lived your whole life and saw everything from a Eurocentric kind mm-hmm. of history. So so it was even before the... So, and I, I joined a book group. So then I was kind of involved in anti-racism activities um, to learn more, to show up to things. So by the time the um, Unite the Right rally, I had gone to some some trainings and you know, nonviolent resistance mm-hmm. stuff to be uh, a witness that day. And... Um, the clergy collective, there were a couple people in our book group that were part of that. And it was amazing that the Catholic Church had no presence. I also was getting prepared for the one-year anniversary of the rally and was going to the United Methodist Church and, and doing more training there and just feeling like maybe I should come back to the Methodist Church here. Yeah. You know, they're right by the park. They are so involved in social justice. Like... Um, so, and the fact that Holy Comforter's two blocks from there, and no, not at all. Yeah, it's there's not nothing, thing. nothing. It's not their thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, so that's where I was when the August report landed mm-hmm. last year about um, the latest uh, grand jury investigation into Pennsylvania and the abuse and the. 
I just, so I think I was already kind of teetering and feeling frustrated. And with that, I just, um, I, it has been like a bomb exploded. Yeah. And so, uh, it's made me question everything. Now the things that didn't used to bother me, I know we talk about this, like the fact that we listen to men in skirts telling women what to do yeah. and, and that women don't have voices. So, um, even though the sexual abuse thing that started back in 2002, somehow I was able to think that that was just an isolated kind of event. Um, when it came out this time, it made me realize it wasn't isolated. It's been a systemic criminal enterprise. Um, and then I started to question more of the things that I hadn't really been questioned. And it's also the Me Too movement. Yeah, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it. In the last few years that women are saying, wait a minute, we don't have to keep putting up with this. I grew up, my father was in the military, served in Vietnam, and I grew up with like feminist being kind of a bad word. Mm -hmm. That was Jane Fonda who burned her bras. Yep. But, you know, sort of finding, you know, seeing what's happened over the past few years and, and finding my voice a little bit, I... I was thinking about what you said about prayers and swears and like my, my prayer used to always, I, I love the St. Francis prayer, yeah. prayer, let me be a channel of your peace where there's hatred, let me sow love. Yeah. That's not my prayer right now. Right. I mean, my prayer, like I, I, when I was at mass a few months ago, I just want to take pink paint and put smash the patriarchy above right. the altar. Yeah. And that's not who I've been, but it's where I am now. So, so the last, you know, eight to 10 months of where the, I mean, I've been through so many I've, I've, I've been angry, I've been just betrayed, I've been so sad too because this was the place where I grew and learned and felt close to God and, and felt like I had a purpose and belonged and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm angry at the betrayal of trust and I, um, so I don't, you know, I try not to, like we've talked about at Casa Alma, not to know exactly what to do with it but just to sit with it a little bit. And I think the longer that goes by, I'm feeling less sad maybe and more angry now. I, I, I was thinking that um, I meet with, a, we have a couples kind of prayer group from people from different Catholic groups. It's like just four couples. Mm -hmm. And we meet once a month and they were saying, well, let's see if we can meet with the bishop and just tell him our concerns about our our area, our church, and, and the problems, how, you know, we haven't had enough talk about race and what where victims are getting help. And, and I just thought to myself, fuck the bishops. Yeah. Why? They're not going to do anything. Fuck the bishops. Yeah. Bring the female priest in here for us to listen to now. I'm really at that point. Yeah. And that, that's, and I think part of it is just the continual dribble of news, whether it's the victims of sexual abuse from Chile at the death school that were I don't know if you just exploited for for decades and they couldn't speak because they oh. were deaf and they didn't learn sign language and yeah like they deaf deaf children same thing yeah. so vulnerable yeah. and then there was a thing in the paper yesterday about the bishop in West Virginia who was writing checks to all his seminarians to be quiet about his sexually harassing them and using millions of dollars from the from the coffers there I'm just like this is going to keep happening my other prayer is just. To, that the church does not block my faith, that the church is mm. not impeding my relationship with God. And I would say that I probably put too much energy as the church, as the vehicle to my faith. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, the church is not my faith, so I can, this can still be me and God. But, you know, for me, a lot of it was as a part of this mm -hmm. 
universal church. So not having that puts in some way more onus on me to try to figure out what am I without the church going to mass every week. Do you go to mass? Um, so it's been, you know, uh, we used, yeah, maybe once or twice a month when yeah. Suarez is at Holy Comforter, um, not other times. And even the, so Suarez did this retreat for my husband's men's group. It's a Catholic men's group. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it was about uh, Ignatian prayer, but somehow we started talking about the Catholic church's reputation and what was happening. And there's some liberal and there's some conservative Catholics in this group, but I'm surprised because I am such a rule follower and I am finding a voice of, um, I just had it, yeah. you know? And so during, you know, at one point Sora says, well, I'm ashamed of the church often. And I just, okay. And then this one other guy sort of said, you know, I don't know why the Catholic church gets so much press about the abuse. You know, it happens with coaches and in Protestant churches. And I'm just like, I just no, could, I could no. not contain myself. I'm like, it's totally, this is, this is such a systemic problem. And priests are the figure of God for people. Yeah. It's not like your high school track coach. Yeah. It's not the same. Uh, and then he said, well, and maybe the problem is back when the, back when the priest used to have more relationships with families. And so they were, they, they, you know, maybe they were healthier back when people had them over for dinner all the time. And I'm like, they were diddling the boys in the bedroom next door. Like I was saying this in yes. front of Suarez and this whole group of people. Good. Um, and I couldn't help it. Yeah. I just, yeah. it was just pouring out at these people who sort of seemed like, well, the church, you know, love it or hate it. You can't really leave it. The church, I'm just like, fuck it. Yeah. So that is, I'm sorry I'm using that language. Oh, but no, it does, do, That is the word right now yes. that I come to a lot. No, and I think that there is this, I don't know, I don't know how to, how to do. I, this is the thing, is that so, and we've, we've discussed this before about how, like, in this society, it's like religion is optional. Like, there's not going to be, if you decided not to go to church tomorrow, you wouldn't lose your job. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that you do, um, like, it's, it's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. So that people are saying, well, if you, if you have such, if, you, if it gets you so heated up, like, just don't go. And I say, well, you know, belief isn't optional for a lot of people. Like, maybe for for a lot of people, maybe it is. It's just, like, kind of a habit that they get into. But some people are, like, cursed with it. Like, you can't give it up. Like, it's you. And it's, like, and I don't know. I'm speaking for myself, like, as born into the religion. I'm not, like, it's, I can't really just, people are, like, well, just become Episcopalian. Like, my, my, I've said this before. Like, my cousin's just, like, oh, it's Catholic light. Like, just go. And I'm, like, well... Okay, maybe one day I will. Like, maybe I will have like that process will have gone through me, and I will truly be a member of another religion, faith community. But that will be after this is dealt with, whatever yeah. this is. Yeah. Or I go back to it, or I become no religion. Like, but this thing that we're in now, like that has to be dealt with, you know. And I think that that's it's not just walk away. And I think that your anger and like my anger, for that matter, but I haven't been in that position that just like letting it loose like that oh I'd love to be um it's like it makes me so sad no it's sad to hear you talk about you know uh, and how because I know we have a little different experiences because of you being a cradle catholic but it's profoundly sad it, it's sad that's why it's I want to I'm carefully you know when I talk about this I want to talk to people who are of faith because like if I talk to someone like like my brother also my background but he's like I don't believe in anything. Like, what? Like, what's your problem? Like, I didn't. Like, I never did believe in it. Like, why are you having such an issue? 
And I'm like, okay, you were not in the same mind space. Like, mm-hmm. I have to talk to people who understand how sad it is. Mm-hmm. That it's not like, okay, you guys are a bunch of brainwashed, like, idiots who, yeah. who just, you know, have no critical thinking skills. It's like, this is, this is really sad. It's really part of who you are. And like you said, your, your conscience is formed by your religion. Like, mm-hmm. it, your, your career, in your case, was totally, it was a conscious choice. You're just like, I, this means something to me, mm-hmm. so I'm going to choose this type of you know, medicine. It's not a trivial matter. And the group that I'm in right now uh, was founded by two other Catholic doctors. So we were yeah. like, this is our mission. This is our mission statement you know, to try to have, show God's unconditional love to people who walk through the door. So I, I wonder if... Um, I, I sent it to Laura Brown, but she didn't send it to everybody... There's a great article in the Atlantic magazine. I didn't read it, but I heard have about you, it. You have yeah. it. I that actually it it it's about the priests. It's about the like priest. getting getting rid of the priesthood. Yeah, I don't know if I if I have it right here. There's a paragraph from James Carroll in there that I think captures what some of he he said for the first time. He's an ex-priest. Right. Um, he hadn't gone to mask because he's living in an ocean of grief. Mm. I mean, he, he, his language is really good about yeah. it. And somehow reading that, in addition to what we've been meeting at Casa Alma, I was like, okay, I'm not alone. And, and obviously this guy, is a, you know, he's written Catholic books and he's a priest and he loves the church. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I, I'm in an ocean of grief. And... And it was, that was just published like last month too, because yes. it's not going away. Like that's another thing. It's like okay, the news cycle has moved on, and I think a lot yeah. of priests like don't want or like not engaging. Um, but I haven't. I'm not moved on. Like how can I move on from this? This is like losing a part of you. Right. Yeah. I, I. You know, at the end of that article, I mean, he also just talked about Saint. I mean, Pope Francis can't save us. You know, like he. Um, he certainly brought some some light and fresh air into the church with his humility and his openness but this is beyond what you know the forces that are trying to do him in too but at the end of that article he just sort of said I'm I'm Catholic and I'm going to find places that I can still be Catholic I'm going to be an exile in the church mm-hmm. is what he said I'm going to be an internal exile in the church and I so I it, it I think it might be worth us talking about sometime at Casa Alma. I like that idea. It gave me kind of a framework. Like, I don't have to go find an Episcopal church yeah. right now that I can, you know, go to Casa Alma twice a month, go to Holy Comforter when I feel like it, um, and that that maybe is just... And then I love these nuns up in, up in Newman University. Oh, I don't know these guys. Uh, they're called... It's the Franciscan Spiritual Center. Oh, yeah, some, someone someone told me about that. Yeah, it was Laura Brown. <laughs> yeah, it might have been because I was telling her so much. I mean, I I went there a couple times in the fall. I went there again in the spring, and I I you know that is that like in Philadelphia? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. right outside of Philadelphia. It's yeah. in Aston. Okay, okay. I was just up there this past week. There's some. They have some really great programs. Um, yeah. So I and so maybe I pieced together something. I think there's also a situation, and I think I think this the Charlottesville Catholic community is very interesting to me because at first I didn't think it was interesting at all. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to hear. Because I you came think. from you know the Northeast, like Philadelphia, New York, and North Jersey, and just for the reasons that you're saying, like, um, like you were talking about, like taking the train to go to the Jesuits, and I'm like, I would 
I know if I was going to my old parish, which is the Jesuit parish, it's like they would have addressed it, there would have been talk, and I think I would not have engaged with the Catholic community here. Like, mm. I'm actually talking to people now, okay. and I never did. Like, I never, I always just had my, like... And you were incarnation. Yeah. Um, I haven't gone there in a year. Um, I've gone to some, I've gone to Mass at um, the, the monastery, mm-hmm. and in um, Waynesboro at St. John's. There's a Filipino priest there, so mm. I'm like, it's, I'm good with that dude. Um and I was like, and it's also just removed from this whole thing, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm talking to people now, which is before I thought mm. I'd be like, oh, I would always think I was like the least worthy, mm. like Catholic in, in the room, you know, mm-hmm. like, never really talked about religion or like scripture or Dorothy Day with other Catholics. It was always like an internal pursuit. And I think now maybe because of everything that's happened, I think. And also, there's no safety valve of, of the Jesuit parish or like the like cool priests or whatever. It's like if you want to participate in Catholic life here, it's like you have a couple of choices, and that's just how it is. And it's like it's actually kind of been a growing experience for me in that you don't get everything that you want. Like I can't just go, well, I'm gonna go to Dalesford Abbey this weekend, and I'm gonna go to like Old St. Joe's the next, and it's yeah. like. So I can tailor it to me, and I can still feel good about being a Catholic, and that helps you ignore like the larger like cesspool that is really. Um, that you're suspended over, essentially. Well, that's the thing. Even when we go here, Father Schwartz, I mean, it's an interesting homily, but I'm like, this is still, I'm complicit in this yeah. system that I feel really horrible about, which, I, I, I'm, which I'm grateful that on Sunday when we you know, meet together again. Like, you know, she wants that to be an open, you know, it'd be nice if there, I wish I knew, I do know a few black Catholics, but you know, if we if we had more diversity and yeah. LGBT, because I just read some the bishop in in Rhode Island. Did you hear, hear that? No. The bishop in Rhode Island recently tweeted about Pride Month, and if you were Catholic, you couldn't participate in any activities related to Pride Month because it's against church teaching. LGBT lifestyle is okay. Can we just talk about like church teaching for a minute? This is my question. Okay. It's like, are we heretics for our beliefs? <laughs> because none of because nobody follows them. You mean? Yeah, that's what I'm. What I'm saying is that, like, back in the day, um, you know, no one could read or write, and like, you had your parish priest, and that was the person who did all that for you. And if you had thoughts that were not kosher, it was like you either kept them to yourself, or if you let them go, they'd be like, "I'm going to kill you and burn you at the stake." <laughs> You know, and then they kind of, like, Martin Luther, they didn't kill him, but he kind of just, like, did his own thing. But it's, like, now there's no real, like, quality control over people's thoughts because of, again, technology. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not using church grounds or church pulpit, um, I can say whatever I want. And, I mean, I guess you could come after me if I was, like, running for office or something. And I said, I give half of my income to Planned Parenthood every every year, and I'm a Catholic candidate. Like, then they could maybe say, well, we're going to deny the sacraments. But, like, there's everyday Catholics are clearly breaking tons and tons of Catholic teaching. My, you know, my best friend's gay, and he, actually, my best friend is gay, and he was my, my kid's um, godfather. So, and that was at my Jesuit parish. That yeah. all happened. Yeah. We're all cool. Like, nothing, it was not, they didn't ask too many questions. They were like, right. okay. Yeah. Um, the people who are divorced and still receive communion. The people right. who are, um, you know, just name what use birth control people right. who. So all I think types there, of things. There, right, there must be. I mean, the group of Opus Dei Catholics would probably say we are yes. her, heretical Catholics. You know, my Jesuit training was. You know, there's a few things that are infallible. The Pope says, 
And there's a lot of, of your own conscience that right. you follow. But then they would say, if you have a fully formed conscience and you would not make those decisions, like you would have, your fully formed conscience would make you be completely aligned with what's in the catechism. Right, and then that sounds like right. brainwashing, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So this is where I think there's, and why we're attracted to Jesuits probably is because, you know, they, they are um, trying to include the people of God into community. And what may happen is the Catholic Church, sponsored by Steve Bannon and a lot of really rich conservative mm -hmm. Catholics, may try to have it be a smaller and smaller church that you really, you cannot, you know, loosen those, those rules or those. those that I, and then, but what does that mean? Does that mean being marginalized within your parish? Does that mean everyone flock, like all the like weirdos well, flock to the Jesuits, like? I'm just trying to see, see, for me, I'm like, okay, so we've accepted that there's certain uh, beliefs that we have, and they are, uh, they are like this with the Catholic Church. They're not, they're, they don't believe, like, they're never going to, I mean, I don't know, never is a strong word, but it's like, so you believe in, like, whatever, any number of things, birth control, artificial birth control, fine, uh, or that abortion should be legal, okay, fine, um, and you still go and you receive the sacraments, like, how is that? How are they going to shut you down? Oh, I think part of it is is Catholics um, like us are going to leave. That's what they're. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so if we decide that there's like a parallel church or something, because um, Laura Brown's idea is like, well, the church is big, and it's like there's all these unexplored like crevices of the church that are like not really that are still the church, but it doesn't mean that like the yeah. bright light is shone upon them. It's like. Right. There's the monastic life. There's, mm -hmm. you know, um, the desert fathers. Like, there's mm -hmm. the, the mothers. Like, there's right. all these things that are that are actually within Catholicism. Catholic, but they're no, it's not parish life. It's not like what you see on the right. news or whatever. So how, so can, especially for someone like you probably who parish life, you taught RCA, you did all yeah. that, finding a way of finding a home that's not a typical parish life maybe. Somewhere I read was basically saying, well, I swore as when I was, you know, freaking out about what this other guy was saying. And this other, like, why don't you be involved more to make change in the church? I'm like, I, no one listens to no, me. Women's no. voices are not heard. Not. We have no, we have no uh, gravitas. There's nothing yeah. that, you know. Um, so, but, but Soros's argument was if you guys leave all the church, it's going to be, you know, left with, you know, the crazy Steve Bannons yeah. and, and, and. So, yeah, that's the conundrum. Stay in the ch the institutional church for change, even though they don't want to change, right. really. Or find a crevice in Catholicism that can still feel authentic, but that maybe is outside the yeah the parish. I mean, life. I went and met up. You know, I don't even know his last name. Like I, he's like Catholic worker guy in Louisa County. Him and his mm, wife. I know him. Uh, I've, I've heard of them. I knew of them. I like went up there and I met with him and like. Did you up. record that? I didn't because that was before I was like on board with this. But yeah. I might actually go up there again. But he's an ex priest. But he's like, he has this like, um, so he's kind of not really like he's like still like okay. This is the thing about being a priest. You can't be unpriested. Right. Like he's a priest until the day he dies. No matter he can murder. But he does. Does he people. celebrate mass still? He the thing is like he can do it for himself. Like technically he cannot. I mean I shouldn't say technically, but they like they they found him. They like issued him a warning, just basically being like you're illicit. Like you because you're married, and I don't think he was married in the church. So it's like you don't really like you're, don't you're go give him communion because we know where to find you. You know. 
but he does mass for himself and mm. i kind of went there under, under like false like pretenses i was like i wanted him to excommunicate me because <laughs> i was like if he's like a valid priest like maybe he can excommunicate me but you I mean, want to be excommunicated because i feel like if, if i am severed by from the church then yeah. they then the, I, the, the choice is out of my hands and i'll have to find another home um so you were asking him to excommunicate i didn't because it didn't get that far and that's like a very intimate thing to like ask somebody i was like oh this conversation is going the direction i wanted to go we're just going to talk about martin um it was like that so i was like maybe he could do it uh and i was like his whole point of view is like he he'll he's he's still to me he's a priest because he still has that soaks up deference and like he's very much he's not he's very like open with me like very mm-hmm. cool but it's like i mean i'm like you're a priest like i can tell by the way that you act is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you're still in you mm-hmm. you know and i'm like this is kind of part of our issue is like this whole like even if someone leaves the priesthood like they're still they've been filled up with that idea of like mm-hmm. i'm ontologically different ordination mm-hmm. like i am god on earth like so that is like an issue that we have with <laughs> Well, this article by What's happening? Carol was saying the worst thing you can do is strip a pre. Was it called laicization? La- yeah, laicization, and then you become just a laity. He just kind of talked about that as if that's like the worst thing in yeah. the world yeah. Yeah. is to punish them yes. by making you just, just a laity. Like la- laity, and then someone was saying, I don't know, it might have been in our one of our groups. Maybe you said it, but they're like they were describing like Pope Francis. They're like, oh, well, you know, he said, you know, told his priest like you should like get the stink of the flock on you it's like wait a minute so we're sheep like we're animals like oh yeah like it's not even like you're still above <laughs> us like you're still you know what i mean like we're still right. a lesser species than you right um and this is like the most humble pope we've had in like right. ages and it's, um, so sometimes i don't know if you feel like this but then i think because i was protestant i was catholic and then you learn about the reformation and you're like oh yeah, yeah. like we need another reformation this is awful I mean, like, yeah, it didn't change the Catholic Church after Martin Luther. No. And then, and then you start feeling all those things like I've been a part of this. Oh yeah, I'm like I put the money in the thing. Like it was only fifteen dollars, but it's definitely yeah. I don't know where that went because then you read in those grand jury reports, it's like, oh yeah, they would take the money and like go buy sex, you know, around the corner from the cathedral, like, yeah. Or that it would go to a fund to like to, like for their legal fund of some guy who was raping kids, you know. And it's like no, that you can do that because diocesan priests don't take about poverty, so that's kind of their discretionary fund. Like they can right. do whatever they want. I mean, I'm not seeing spreadsheets come out from like you know Father Gregory or <laughs> Like I don't know what they're doing with that money. I don't know. And there is no transparency because it's not a transparent organization. It's no, it's very secret. So can you imagine at all that the, the going to Catholic worker twice a month and trying to do our own thing, even though it takes more work than yeah. just showing up. Can you imagine that being your church? Um, I'm going to give it a try. For me, I have kids and I feel like, so in parallel to all this, I'm like listening to this podcast called Mormon Stories, which is like, actually seems more relevant than a Catholic thing right to me now because, mm. um, see, just to bring up that podcast that you were talking about, um, you mentioned that James Carroll article, and I was like, the only thing I saw of it, I didn't read it, but I will, um, was like James Martin or someone like tweeting about it being like, this is this is why we can't do this. So everything is always like, 
for Catholics, we automatically are like, what does the priest say? Or like, what does the authority say? Like, what is the, um, like, how am I supposed to feel about this? So it's like, if anything comes out of the news, it's always filtered through, like, the, the church, right? See what, for me, I'm saying. But this guy's an ex-priest, but I took him as so validating. Oh, no, I'm sure it was. I have to read. I can't comment on it, but I'm yeah. saying that. But you look at that, and, and, and they're like, well, Oh, you know, if James you, Martin says it, then... Yeah, like, he's the liberal guy, so, like, if he says it's not okay, then it's not okay. And it's <coughs> like... Um, but he's also part... He's a priest. You're but, not going to write yourself out of a job. No, that's what power. I'm saying, is that, like, we are... Um, we look to them in spite of ourselves, like, for yeah. authority. And yeah. that's when you're saying, I, I don't want to listen. I mean, I, may, I listen to that podcast, but I'm like, I don't want to hear because it's always going to be like two people tell their stories and then the priest comes in and is like, this is actually what happened. You know? And I think about my education as a Catholic, like in Catholic school, it was always like, oh, I was like, yeah, it wasn't really like hard ass. It was like, um, you know, it was in the 80s, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like the 50s, you know, where people were like mm-hmm. hit by rulers or anything. But it would always be like, yeah, we'll have a religion class and we'll study about the religions. But like the concluding chapter was always, and this is why the Catholicism is it's the best. Like we'll let you have your chatter, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, um, the conclusion will be in our favor. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think like that's such a... Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's also, I mean, the pain that we're feeling, but at least letting ourselves feel it, a lot of people just can't feel it. Like... Yeah. So a friend of mine who lives in Princeton, but she went to a graduation at one of the Catholic colleges around, or Catholic high schools okay. around Philly, and she was telling to me, you wouldn't think there was a problem in the church there. Like, no. everybody's giving tons of money to these high schools. It's all, and she's like, I just don't understand why people aren't questioning it. And I just said, I think it's too painful. Yeah, it like, I mean, this is so painful what we're doing. And so it's just, if you can kind of just say, ah, I don't want to hear it, and just kind of keep, you know, walking into the church and dropping your money in. Yeah. I mean, I think that's... And it's also so cultural. Like, I just went to a funeral. My, actually, my uncle was a, uh, a, in the Christian Brother community. Mm-hmm. He was like, um, he was like a principal for like a number of boys' schools, like in Philadelphia and like in Harrisburg, Baltimore. And um, like I spent all my, when we were kids, we'd like spend time up at the brother's house. It's like, we went to that funeral and it was like, I was, I was walking back into my childhood mm-hmm. was at his high school, which is an all boys high school. And um, I saw like the Catholic League banners up there and like everyone, even if you hadn't been to a church in years, it like felt, you know, and yeah. Pete, my aunt used to say, she's like, the, the Catholic religion is a hard religion to live in, but a beautiful one to die in. <laughs> Because it's true. It's like, you know, all, you're all entitled to a massive Christian burial, you know? And it's like, yes, this beautiful ceremony and, like, it's yeah. it's all of these things and you fall right into it. It's like, I couldn't imagine, like, bringing... It's so cultural. Like, I couldn't imagine bringing up, like, so how about those rapists, you know? Um, what are we going to do about our church? It's like that warm embrace of, like, that, you know, with all the people, like, the, the brothers in their cassocks, you like, walking around. And I'm like, this is... So can it's it be still there? Can like, it be both and? Can you see the beauty in that? And it's hard to hold both those things. Yeah, and for me, it's like walking back there is like all my my dead my great grandparents are in that mm. Catholic ceremony. My mother's in that Catholic ceremony uh, cemetery. Like my high school, my Catholic high school's over there. Like my parishes that I was baptized in that's now closed because now there's you know the church is consolidating because they have to pay bills of certain things that have happened. It's like there's, mm-hmm. it's like not just a, a, a belief that you walk in and out of. And even my brother gave the eulogy, and he hasn't been, he hasn't gone to mass in years. Yeah. And he went right into it. The language yeah. is very Catholic language, like the yeah. whole thing. And I'm like, that's it's in you, right? Even if you like repudiate it, it's like 
the, the rhythm yeah. of the speech and all the things. It's like, you know. You know, when I was at some of these sisters up in, and when you eat meals with them, and I would just be like, so what do you guys think about this? Yeah, yeah. You know, I just like could not stop talking about it because it's just like, it's the elephant in the room. Like, yeah. how can you be Catholic and not be talking about it? Yeah. And some of them wanted to engage more than others. You know, some of them were like, you know, those, you know, I think I said to one of them, I think maybe you should run the church now. And they're like, we don't want anything to do with those crazy pedophiles. We're doing our own thing. You know, like, yeah. like so, and then some of them were be like, oh, a couple of them one time said, you know, it's really hard to be a priest right now. They're just, they're just a suspect for everything. And I'm just thinking it's really hard to be a victim, the thousands of victims, you know. Someone said that, like, recently. I don't know, like, oh, just think, oh, no, actually, Bill is a priest. I was talking to him. That's part of my, <clears throat> my, it was a fine conversation, but, like, a couple moments I was like, eh. When he was like, well, just think about the priests who are falsely accused. Like, think about that. Like, think about the people who are just trying to get through their lives and, like, just be a priest. And, like, how hard it is for them. And, like, he's like, do you think that the criminal justice system is just? And he's, because he's a felon and he spent, like, time in, in a federal prisons for, like, plowshares movements. Like, locking himself onto a, you know, submarine wow. and shit like that. So he's, like... I mean, I can't really argue with that. I'm like, yeah, yeah you've actually been in a prison, yeah. <laughs> like, many times over the yeah. years. And he's like, you think locking them up is, like, that's justice? He's like, it's not justice, you know? And he's like, you don't know, like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you, like, what you actually want out of this? Like, um, not that it's relevant what I want, but I was saying, I need justice before we talk about forgiveness. And he's like, well, there's no justice on earth that, like... It's, is it going to be meted out by like a civil authority? Like, what are you talking about when you say that? I want that? those priests to look in the eyes and say, I was horrible. I, what I did to you and ruined your life and the people have already committed suicide, I can, I can never repay. I can, I, I, I want them to, to lie down prostrate. Well, that's actually what I said to him. I said, there is a mechanism that we have for that, which is like lying down prostrate on the ground yeah. in, in like supplication. Yeah. Like, for say, like, I am sorry, so heartily sorry for what I've done. Right. It's like, right. And there's none of that's going on either. And if, if Pope Francis had said part of our gathering when he did that a few is to do a, some sort of ceremony like that, even though it wouldn't have been a direct compensation to the victims or anything, it would have been powerful. I'm like, sackcloth and ashes, shave your head. Get down on the ground. But unfortunately, Francis still says the accusers. He doesn't call them victims. Right, right. So... That's a problem. But when, yeah, I mean, I have a friend who's a Franciscan priest in New York, and I've written him a couple times saying how it must be really hard. And, and then I just started saying, you know what, we, we've got to stop. I, I mean, I think, I just think we need to focus on the victims more than how hard it is to be a priest yeah. right now. I just think that's a wrong emphasis. I think that's also, like, the crux of this question that we're having right now is just, like, are we talking, do individuals matter? Do, don't we talk about the dignity of the person in the sense of, like, abortion every person is sacred tra -la -la. but like what i'm seeing though is that we will always sacrifice the individual for the, for the institution. institution every time and every time someone takes a stand as an individual like your priest in 2002 it's like gotta go sorry like every time it's always like squashed whenever you're saying hey like take the focus off the institution and put it on the individual no so the institution's too powerful oh that's what i'm saying like, and it's only to try to perpetuate its Continuance more than individuals' dignities. It's like a corporation or like a, a military structure. So it's basically saying like, yes, sometimes you do have to sacrifice the people for the for the greater for the greater good. And it's like that means you get ground under the wheels, and that's fine. Um, well, we have accepted that. 
I think that's the uh, the message that we're absorbing. And that's yeah, that's the whole um, means to the end kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I I just I'm so naive to think that that's what the Catholic Church was, and is, and I think it you know I think that's what it is. But it's, it's also a painful thing to hear. It's also Dorothy Day. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Is that like, and so, I was talking to, you know, Eric Martin, he's also part of yeah, that, yeah. that whole group. Yeah, so he was basically like. Um, he lived at Catholic Work up in New York, right? Uh, in, I think in D.C. Okay. But he was, he, they live in the intentional community, like Karis community um, okay. over here. But she, he was like, yeah, he was talking about, um, I don't know, one of his priest friends who was like, how, how can this, how can we be in a church that has like Pope Benedict? Like he's such a, like basically he's such a dick, you know? And this friend was like, well, the church is big enough for him. It's big enough for everybody. It's truly like a universal church. And then you're like, and I'm like, yeah, you say that and it sounds great. I'm like, but like, what are we talking So I, when I, I remember being, I, the big tent theory of when I would see women in veils and yeah. I wouldn't wear a veil and they like Latin I don't like Latin yeah. like I used to sort of like that metaphor of the big tent and there's room for all of us but who has the power I know and if the power in the church is in the corrupt Vatican Curio and the bishops that have had far too much power then we can have a big tent but we don't have any power no Swears and Prayers podcast is brought to you by me Jen Mediano, and producer Erica Gregory at Scout Creative Agency in Charlottesville.